Hey, business building warrior. Welcome to the weekend update. If you're listening to this episode right when it came out, it's Saturday. And what we like to do on Saturdays is still work. A lot of us work six days and rest one. Hey, good enough for God, good enough for us. That's the way he created the whole universe, right? So we're working on a Saturday, sure, but why not take along a great update, a podcast episode that we've gone back and reviewed from maybe two weeks, six weeks, six months ago. We've got hundreds of great interviews. So what we do on the weekends is we go back, we find those great episodes that maybe slipped past your radar or some of those great insights and tips and strategies from some of the successful students and just kind of break it down into little easily digested nuggets for your weekend update. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment after I make a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't got a free copy yet of the brand new, all new, our 11th update of the Silent Sales Machine book. This is the book that started this podcast. It started our community, the 73,000 members of our free Facebook group, our incredible events. It all started because I sat down about 20 years ago and wrote a book over a weekend. It was actually just a PDF report at the time. And it took off. And it started this incredible movement that is now thousands of business building warriors all over the world. It wasn't because of anything that I did. I was just making some observations and sharing what others had taught me. I kind of compiled the information into one place with the premise of, hey, you can use the internet to grow the business of your dreams. And here's the rules I'm kind of discovering. Here's some of the things you should avoid I was discovering. And there's a group of us, we just kind of compiled this information and kept learning new things. Well, I've updated it. And the 11th update is now available. All the stuff you should avoid, the legitimate opportunities that are available to you, the mindset that's required in order to tackle these opportunities, a lot of very specific strategic advice on using the internet to launch and grow the business of your dreams, multiple income streams, using the internet creatively. That's the book. So go to silentsalesmachine.com and you can see more about it. Or you can text the word free, that's F-R-E-E, to this phone number. It'll be in the show notes as well today. The phone number is 507-800-0090. Now, if you happen to live outside the United States or Canada, that might not work for you. So just email our support team. There's a link at silentgym.com and say, hey, heard Jim make that free offer. Assuming the free offer is still around, which it will expire at some point. But now as we're launching the book, we wanted to give it away for free. That's a great opportunity for you. So there's that. And I also want to remind you, if you're new around here, this podcast is the supporting podcast for the leading Amazon seller training in the industry. I'm talking about the Proven Amazon course at provenamazoncourse.com. It's the longest running Amazon seller training in the industry with more success stories than any other, a bigger support team. There's about a hundred of us that support that course. All kinds of creative modules for every level of Amazon seller experience. You, If, if you know nothing about Amazon, you know nothing about e-commerce, we got you. If you've already got a $50,000, $100,000, a million dollar a month business, there's ideas in there I guarantee you have never been exposed to that could improve your business. So for $39 a month, RuvenAmazonCourse.com gets you a library of content that grows with you. We believe in just-in-time education, which means right when you need it, we got that next thing that you need, and it's in there. And then we've got our free Facebook group support community at silentgym.com that's there to help you as well if you want to check that out. So that's the introduction for 
this weekend update. Let's go find out what the team has put together for us today. Enjoy this episode. We'll have brand new episodes for you starting at the beginning of the week, so don't miss those. Hey, have a great weekend. God bless you, Warrior. Let's jump into the content. Kevin, welcome to the program. Good to have you, buddy. Thanks for having me, Jim. Glad to be here. Really an honor. I can't wait to get into your story, man. Fill us in. So a little bit about myself and how I got into e-commerce. Um, grew up um, in a small city, writing Pennsylvania. Um, very small city, very, very, very poor city. Um, it was once just a poor city in the country, dating back to maybe 2010. Um, and they've just never recovered since. I would like to think that I've always had the hustle and grind mentality. Um, just at an early age, my parents were go-getters. Uh, they come from Puerto Rico, just natives right off the island. Um, they've come over to America in their early teens. Worked ever since. Your parents came as teenagers from Puerto Rico. Yep. Puerto Rico was just so bad um, around that time that they just migrated over to New York City and at that time. Uh, my parents had my aunts and uncles to assist them on the move. So I, I guess I just get it from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, I've known, I actually recorded a podcast episode. It'll probably come out somewhere around when this one is. I've noticed there's a phenomenon in our community. Even I've noticed that the people who don't necessarily come from American born, you know, they're either they're immigrants or English isn't their first language. You know, they've got some kind of non-US citizenship kind of connection in there, you know, the one degree from that, let's say, they tend to just kill it. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, what's going on there? I actually dive into that. I've got my theories and I, I kind of think it through based on a book I read recently about these. I think it was something like the immigrant advantage, something like that, a book I really enjoyed. But um yeah, I love I love hearing these stories because it really does kill a lot of excuses for folks too when they hear someone's like, well, I didn't have that disadvantage, you know. My parents didn't escape from poverty on a small island, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I got that going for me. Right. So you're going to help a lot of people be motivated and like, okay, I can, I can do this. So I appreciate your story already, man. But I promise not to interrupt you a whole lot, but I, I love it so far. No worries. So just dating back to the hustle and grind. Um, my first job ever was at my local Foot Locker, um, start off part-time working there. So for me, I had the advantage of getting all the latest sneakers, whether it's Jordans at that time, Penny Hardaway's. Most people who are sneaker fanatics know what I'm speaking about out there. Um, so my job, you know, I pretty much leveraged my job <laughs> and would get shoes, get my hands on some of the most rarest and, and special edition sneakers. And I would just go ahead, get it with my discount and leverage it over to a lot of my friends. Facebook at the time wasn't really so big. It was more so MySpace for those folks who um, grew up around the 90s era and know what I'm speaking about. <laughs> so you are flipping shoes on MySpace. Flipping shoes on MySpace. That's and at my, awesome. At my local high school as well, everyone just knew me as Kev the sneaker guy. So <laughs> it kind of just stuck. So just fast forwarding a little bit, just past high school, uh, went to college um, in Florida. I attended uh, Florida International University, just for a criminology degree, nothing close to this. So I went ahead, college dropout, unfortunately, just things happen down in life, um, responsibilities. So coming into e-commerce, my most recent position, I was recently laid off from corporate America. I was a regional planner um, for a Fortune 100 company, very big. 
I managed all of the wholesale planning. So for me, a lot of this wholesale work, POs, things of that nature is very, very, very familiar to me. Okay. Amazon FBA has just been such a rave since the pandemic, I would say. I mean, if I tune into TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just love the story as far as like you earn while you learn. Um, your podcast wasn't the first to say that, but it just always stuck around. You learn while you earn. At the time, like I said, I was recently mm-hmm. laid off. So I was just scrambling for a side hustle. Um, me and my significant other, we just exchanged ideas, you know, every night, every night ideas. And Amazon FBA stuck. Every single night, Amazon FBA came up. So from, I would say, around late Q4, November of 2022, I ate Amazon. I slept Amazon. I was breathing everything Amazon. Um, I was intrigued just by you get paid per performance. So pretty much the more you work, the more you get paid in essence versus in a corporate lifestyle. You know, you work endlessly. Sometimes you do get some sort of recognition and or raise. Other times you don't. As well as the flexibility. The flexibility is just amazing. The fact that I just kept hearing the numerous stories uh, as individuals just spending anywhere from four to 20, maybe even 40 hours a week, just, you know, scrambling everything Amazon as easy as the button of I click and purchase and I'm off to the races. Yep. Yeah. So that you found that very appealing, the flexibility of schedule. And so you were doing this while you had your real job as well, correct? Or did you... Did the two overlap at all? So it overlapped, I would say, my last month, only because my position called for. So a little backstory, in corporate America, I was very flexible as far as I was just two in office, three at home. So I was more of a work from home type of thing. Mm -hmm. So whenever I was on my downtime, I went ahead and was studying up on Amazon. Once these first wave of layoffs came and I knew it was my turn just because I was very young seniority, I knew Amazon had to be the first thing to go. So I knew I didn't have much cash at the time at hand. Um, So I went ahead and just leveraged my credit, which is where my story goes a bit unorthodox. So you didn't have any cash really to put into it. You you started with credit cards, which isn't something we recommend, by the way, but... (laughs) Yeah, you. That's what you did. You were kind of forced to. So you, uh, you started your Amazon journey on credit cards, huh? Yep. So for me, I had cash, and all the cash that I had saved up was more so to expand all my bills, pay all my bills up front, and then I had great credit. Have great credit. Um, I had about maybe like twenty thousand in personal credit that I can leverage, but I wanted to start small. Sure, which is wise. We talk about that all the time around here. Right, which I also do not recommend. For me, I would say I was definitely in shambles between not only leveraging money that I didn't have at the time, but also I was learning. So for me, I will definitely say that I recommend do not starting with credit unless you do know how to leverage it, um, because it does uh, create such a nerve wreck, you know, day in and day out up until you start gaining some momentum. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good advice. Super cautious with it, obviously. Yeah. So how did, how did you get started? I mean, what were you doing initially on Amazon? Like what were your first, uh, what was your first focus? So my first focus, I thought of FBM just simply because everyone says that's the starting point for everyone. And which I do recommend FBM, they'll go ahead and get all of your pain source and most of your mistakes out of the way early. 
which I can definitely go into detail. I remember my first sale like it was yesterday. This is probably what, late 2022, something like that? No, actually, I grinded um, as far as just studying everything Amazon from March. I mean, from November all the way up until March of 22, when I finally let go and was like, okay, I need to do action. Um, Just simply because I don't think drilling your brain with so much information and not putting any work or effort in, you honestly aren't going to learn much. Yeah, you got to put it into action. Yeah, of course. And that's why we have the the philosophy you've heard. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned earlier, Kevin, before we started recording, you've heard all of our podcast episodes, which is awesome. Yes. So you've, heard us, you've heard us say before, earn while you learn, take action You know, at each step, just in time education versus just in case education, right? So the stuff you're learning today, apply it today before you go learn a bunch more new stuff. Apply right. what you're learning as you go. So it sounds like you were doing some of that. So when was your first sale? I thought you said it was in November of 2022, but... You know, my first sale was March of 2023. That was my very first sale mid-March. So you started grinding and learning in November, March of 2023, which is just, here we are, April, May, June of 2023. We're not like four months ago. You know, as as I mentioned in the introduction and in the the notes today, you're a fairly new seller, but we love interviewing those sellers who are just starting to catch that momentum wave. They've got validation, proof of concept, because a lot of people can relate to where you are in our community because they haven't done anything yet. Right, right. And I hope that my story goes ahead and gives everyone that urge to go ahead and just get started. Honestly, for me, like I said, I just broke my third month actually yesterday, June 8th. So just dating back to my first sale, I remember it like it was yesterday. A set of Yankee candles. I was actually at BJ's just shopping on my own, just me and my significant other getting some groceries. And we happened to stumble upon Yankee candles that were on sale, which are the large jars, which if anyone knows, most of those large jars go for anywhere north of 30, 35 bucks. They were on sale on a clearance actually for six bucks. So I was like, okay, I know this is definitely going to be worth something. It's something to me. (laughs) So I went ahead, got five and I posted them. I'll be quite honest. I was not ready. I posted them. I said, okay, let's see how long it takes. I was going through a tool called SellerAmp. SellerAmp was the first and only tool that I actually am very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a sales velocity of 100 a month, but actually had no BSR. So I said, let me just take the opportunity and go ahead and see what I can get. I would say one day passes, two day passes. I would say about the fourth day. I hear a sound on my phone as far as a text tone that I've never heard before. Um, <laughs> and if most don't know, when you sell an item on Amazon, you do get a text notification. Um, and you can alter it to whatever sound or notification that you do want. So I grew skeptical. I looked at my phone and it was Amazon. And they said that I sold one Yankee candle. I just got about my seat. I was talking to my significant other. I was going crazy. I can't believe I made the first sale. This is probably real. It's probably, I don't know, just probably it's one sale. Well, I was not ready. I didn't have a printer. I didn't have a thermal printer. I didn't have labels. So as soon as I got my first sale, I knew my delivery date was the next day as which is the default on Amazon. Oftentimes it's one day. So I 
was in shambles, ran to the closest staples, bought a printer, bought a thermal printer, bought labels, and bought very basic supplies, just your normal bubble wrap for the most part, a little bit of just some of that styrofoam popcorn. Uh, anyways, I went home, plugged everything up, and was in shambles. You know, I reviewed all of your videos, um, also on the pack course. I definitely did go ahead and attend the pack course very early on. Um, and in your pack course, uh, you guys, even though I went through the videos thousands of times, the fact that I went to go put the action, I froze. I was like, I don't know, does this get polybagged? Do I bubble wrap it? Do I not bubble wrap it? You know, is more supposed to come? Wow, I don't have the actual size of the box. Now I have to go run back to Staples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those first time. If you've done it once or twice or 10 times, just it's so natural, you wonder why you ever thought it was difficult. But the first few times you do it, I love that. Because you mentioned you were doing Merchant Fulfill, FBM, we call it Fulfillment by Merchant, which means when something sells, just like on eBay, you're the one that's got to ship it. And that's what you did. You started off that way. So yeah, it sounds like uh, you're just kind of testing it out. And then you're saying, hey, if something sells, I'll figure it out at that point. You were kind of skeptical, it sounds like. Like, is this even going to work? Right? But then when something sold, you were scrambling a little bit. Yeah. And, and we do cover a lot of that inside the Proven Amazon course. But we refer people quite frequently to, you know, Amazon itself has great resources that are free. On those initial steps of like, how do I prep a package? What's expected? Where do the labels go? All that, you know? So when they change policies and such, it's like, hey, that's where they keep you up to date on all that stuff. Just in case there's any new sellers listening, uh, scrambling around looking for those details. But yeah, that's congratulations to you. It sounds like you were pretty elated as well. Pretty excited. Like this validated the whole thing for you. How much money did you make on it? You bought it for six, sold it for 35. Do you have to know what your net margin was after all expenses? I would say after all expenses, I would say I was definitely above 50. That's the one parameter I let everyone know to focus on, at least what I consider just very important. Most of the profit margin percentages and things of that don't quite matter as long as if it's your margins, right? So yeah. for me, all I care about is 50% ROI. 50% ROI. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was your, and, and did you sell through the rest of those candles pretty quick? Fairly quickly. All it took was my first sale and it felt like a switch turned on the yeah. next day one, the next day one, the next day one. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And just a couple notes of caution. You know, you mentioned uh, BJs, like a liquidation closeout warehouse, those kinds of things. Those are a bit of a gray area for some folks. I encourage them not to go super deep on those simply because uh, if challenged at some point, which is rare, you could possibly, in very rare circumstances, be challenged against that receipt and they may have a problem with it. So, I'm not saying don't, but I tend to stay away from like discounts, closeouts, you know, liquidation pallet warehouses for sure. I stay away from just as a precaution because you want to be able to prove to Amazon if the brand comes and complains, prove to them that this is legitimate product, right? Because uh, you can see even on a product like Yankee Candles, a distributor manufacturer in China could make them look identical, ship them over on some pallets get them out there into the distribution channel somehow. Now you're selling counterfeit goods and you wouldn't know. I'm not saying BJ's does that. I don't really know much about it. I just don't recognize that as being, you know, the major, a major retailer. Maybe they are, but if they've got closeout liquidations, just be cautious. Yeah. So BJ's, they are an actual chain retail. Um, they are more so like a Costco's, but just on the East coast region, you won't yes. find them anywhere, you know, rather than really just 
the Northeast in a tri-phase. Okay. So as long as the, the manufacturer, like if you went to Yankee Candles and said, hey, are these guys a legitimate distributor? If Yankee Candle goes, yeah, they are, you're good. If you want to ever do your research and like make sure you're 100% clean. So just, just as a precautionary heads up, there's millions of products that you can, you can go grab that meet those qualifications. Uh, but just want to make sure we're thorough giving people advice on this show. But we've sold plenty of liquidation and closeout stuff too. It was just too good to pass up. We knew we were kind of rolling the dice a little bit, clearing it through our inventory. So just you know, be very cautious. From candles, what happened next? So from candles, I, the next objective that I, that I was hearing surfacing was low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit, in which I recommend that is one of my top sleepers. Do not sleep on clearance items um, when you get them. Clearance for me has been phenomenal. I told myself if I'm once again leveraging credit and money I don't have, I might as well do it at the lowest expense possible. Yeah, lowest low risk. So you're in hustle mode. You're hitting clearance. Where are you hitting clearance at? Just different retail stores? Yep. So based on my current location now, um, I stay in the greater Lehigh Valley area, Bethlehem. That is, I want to say, almost just about smack dab in the middle from the tri-states. And I'm two hours from anywhere in the DMV. So my stores that I went to focus on, I told myself, again, to lower my chances of anything going wrong as far as returns or anything of that nature, let me go ahead and focus on a niche that has some of the lowest return rates, if at all, which was topicals. So your Mucinex, your Zarbies, you know, your Everyday Birds Bees, you know, I'm the individual who pretty much focused on topicals. So you can imagine all of my stores were any, any and all local pharmacies, but for the most part, Walgreens, and Rite Aid have been my go-to stores. That's fantastic. So, are you are you into replens at all yet? Are you still just you're hitting the clear? You're just cashing in on clearance as best you can just to ramp this thing up. Is that where you're at still? So, the funny thing about that, I have found replens through clearance items. I just, love that. Yeah. So, going through clearance, um, let's just say, for example, I might have found an item that's at two dollars and thirty cents uh, per item. Maybe on right on the initial no clearance is probably five or six bucks, and it still works within my realm. Or I find a bundle that now increases my margin, and now I'm able to accommodate those extra two, three bucks per item. That's fantastic. Yeah, so you're kind of leveraging the exposure to new creative ASINs listings on Amazon, and while you're evaluating it as a clearance item, you're also evaluating it as a potential replan and some of those are falling into the test worthy product category for you that's awesome i love it that is a really solid strategy and i I love the cautious i love to see new sellers move slowly and cautiously taking very minimal risks and learning the program because you're going to make plenty of little mistakes and you don't want to compound it by adding commas and zeros to your mistakes (laughs) so be cautious yeah that's awesome so how, how many how many different types of products have you sold and how many of those have become replens for you where you're going back and sourcing them full retail, let's say? I would say I've scavenged through hundreds of ASINs already. Some have been replens and have stuck. Some have became uh, wholesale accounts as well. Um, I'm a little bit about everywhere, but I'll be quite honest. 
clearance has been my main squeeze and yeah. retail arbitrage as well, simply because I love OA, but OA's turnover is just too slow for me, slow. especially yeah. off the initial. I would say it's very slow for the average individual who's trying to grow with just very minimal uh, expenses and or uh, basket of money to play with per se. Yeah. And you've got that 30 days on your credit card that you want to get paid off. It's yeah, you, you, you OA doesn't, isn't real friendly for that. Cause by the time you order something online and then you get it and you inspect it and you make sure that it's okay, you have to return three of the five units because the box is crushed or whatever. So you're sending those two in, it takes Amazon two weeks to get it on the shelf, put it up for sale. Right. I mean, you've got a month long process to move from purchasing the inventory to a customer being able to buy it. Whereas with like what you're talking about, you're doing merchant fulfill you could be listing it for sale while it's in your shopping cart at the cash register. You know, you're waiting in line, list it, list it, list it. And now it's selling as you're loading it into your car in the parking lot and you're driving home and shipping it. Theoretically, you know, that could happen and that could never happen with OA. So I love that you're, conf- you're focusing in on the, the velocity of your inventory, rapid turnover, clearance aisles, which is, you know, we call that the, you've heard us call it many things, the treasure hunt model, the treadmill model, the hamster wheel model. But when all you've got is hustle, when hustle is your greatest asset, I should say, not a bad way to go, man. Let's stack a few thousand dollars in the bank. Let's get a nice little nest egg to work off of and then start building systems and taking some of that slower burn, less hustle needed, you know, slightly more risky, but not really. Just it takes a little longer to find some of these replans, for example, some of these wholesale relationships that can take a bit to, to unwind, but you're only a few months in. You started in March. Here we are mid-June, not even mid-June yet. And you're you're doing great, man. So I just got to commend, again, that hustle spirit, that Puerto Rican mom and dad <laughs> hustle spirit. It's in your soul, man. And you, I can just see it. It's awesome. Yes, I, I love it. I love um, just being on the road. Like I said, I would love um, to include more OA. I would say right now my Margin is about 70% RA, 30% OA. Uh, with most of my OA items, I'll be quite honest, have been found through OA lists, Discord lists, things of that nature. Yeah, you just you kind of uh, bunny trail off those and use them as research tools, I take it? Or have you actually used some lists and like, hey, here's what you go buy, this exact item, and those have worked well for you? Which scenario is it for you that you're finding? So for me, it was more so of trying to get a system in place and also try to understand where exactly are they finding these OA replants? What uh, niche is it in? What category is it in? Is it in a category that, a category that needs to supply a ton of ungates or are they giving free auto ungates? Right, I got you. Yeah, it's, so you kind of using it as a research tool. And the only reason I bring that up, Kevin, is because you obviously, you mentioned to me before we started recording today again, You've listened to all of our podcast episodes. You've got a PhD in this stuff at this point. You could teach a lot of this stuff, man, because there's a lot of solid content. I often say to people when they ask us about the show, about our community, like, oh, am I gonna have to pay money to learn how to do what you guys teach? No, listen to the podcast. It's all in there. You know, If you want to spend $39 a month, we'll give it all to you in an easy step-by-step format and you grow with the course over time. Or if you want coaching, you go really fast. That's an option. But no, if you've got some time and you want to hustle and just learn it, yeah, listen to the podcast. But I say that to say this, you've heard me say many times that the only good way to use a buy list 
is to use it as a research tool. Because if you just get this buy list once a week from someone else that's compiling it and sending it out to some other people and you just buy everything on there, you're buying the same thing everyone else is at the same price they are. And you're just going to see those ASINs look great today and then crash and burn a little bit a few weeks from now because you're doing you're, you're following the herd to slaughter on that stuff. So be very cautious, but you're using it as a research tool. Like, what are these ASINs? What categories? What are these brands? What websites are they buying this stuff? Like, I've never seen that website before. I'm going to research a little bit more, right? So that's the right way to use a buy list. But over time, what I think you'll discover, Kevin, is you're going to get so good at finding these ASINs and these replans that you're just going to have your own system set up. You won't need to be paying for a list. Most people kind of graduate to that point over time. That list only lasted me about a month before I realized as far as the tanking goes. I think for me, that's all it took for me was four solid weeks. I gave it a little experiment just to see, you know, as far as me buying it on time, as far as the list coming out that same exact minute, in contrary to me waiting a few days, in contrary to me waiting a week, every result came back the same. It tanked. Mm-hmm. So I do not recommend OA lists to the average individual or just the newbie starting out. Uh, oftentimes we're just wasting money that we can honestly start investing into product. Yeah. Just get off the beaten path a little bit, build relationships, take advantage of local resources, get your own list of ASINs. And we are resellers. Other people are going to be able to see what we do. And every good replant ASIN, you've heard me say before, Kevin, but for the sake of the listeners, every good replant ASIN is going to have a shelf life. It's going to last you a few weeks or a few months, but eventually it's going to die and go away, maybe forever, maybe temporarily. Maybe the, the brand stops making it. Maybe it becomes out of stock for months at a time, you know, or maybe just so many people are selling it out, or maybe somebody bought half a million units at an extreme discount and they unloaded on every ASIN on Amazon. Like, you know, certain things are going to happen. We're resellers, but you stay nimble. You don't overcommit. You never have more than 30 days worth of inventory for any of your ASINs. So you, you get in, you get out, you strike while it's hot, you play it until it cools, and then you, you pull your money out. That's the way to play the game. It sounds like you've learned some really valuable lessons. I mean, you, to hear you speak, you sound like a that guy that's been doing this about a year. And you've been doing it, you know, <laughs> since here we are, you know, just three months in, and you're, you're doing really well. So kudos to you, man. Yeah, you've, if I just project out where you're going to be a year from now, you're a you know, $50,000, $70,000 a month seller easily. And that's just pacing yourself. Try to minimize the mistakes as much as you can. Obviously, um, you're only going to be able to just get through that just from learning the mistakes of others, right? I've heard from a very famous inspirational speaker. Um, most might have heard of him was Inky Johnson. Inky Johnson always said, learn from the mistakes of others because you can't do them all yourself. Can't That's commit every really mistake. Good. You no business will strive that way. No one will come up off the ground learning every single mistake. You're just gonna it, it's a you know hamster wheel. That's that's but, one of my favorite definitions of wisdom, Kevin, is the ability to learn from the mistakes of others. Some people refuse to learn that. Like, no, I'm gonna try everything once. <laughs> All right, man. Welcome to chaos. <laughs> You're never gonna go anywhere. Learn from the mistakes of others. Listen to the wisdom of age and experience. Some of the best money you will ever spend is investing in the mentorship and coaching and experience of others who have already been where you're trying to get. They've been there. They've surpassed it even, and they're going to help you on that journey. 
some of the best money you will ever invest. I mean, that's the whole theory of educating, right? But if it's specific and it's in the exact niche of what you're trying to accomplish, you'll never spend a better money in your life on anything. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Well, what else is on your mind, man? What other lessons you got for the listeners or what else about your story have we left out? How's your business doing too? I want to be thorough there and just share with folks like how it's going. We haven't given any real specifics yet. Yep. So I have a ton of notes here that I've written down just to share with uh, the listeners for today. Go through it. Um, So for me, I always said, once again, just to reiterate, if you're going to leverage credit, please try to minimize. I do not recommend it first off, because like I said, you go into shambles off the initial while you learn the business. I do not recommend until you become very advanced, to be quite honest. But uh, I say that to say that I try to minimize and shortcut each and every mistake as far as, for example, clearance is number one. I know if the item's not going to sell and even if it sells on clearance, most clearance isn't anywhere past 10 bucks, right? Oftentimes it's anywhere from one to seven dollars and you can pretty much make 50 percent of that fairly easy just utilizing the small light program with Amazon. For those who don't know, small online program, Amazon does give you a little profit booster for any and every item. Think under three pounds and has to be $12 or less. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. Right. That's right. You got to enroll it. And uh, oftentimes you'll see sellers competing on the same ASIN and some of them have enrolled in small and light and some of them haven't <laughs> on the right. same ASIN. So it's, at least the last time I looked, that's the way it was working. So yeah, you want to uh, learn about small and light and you can actually make more money selling a product for $12 than you could selling it for say $13.50 because the fees are so much better for you under the small and light program. And they they have expanded. It used to be $10. Now it's 12. It used to be, I think like one pound or something like that. Now it's three. I mean, it, Correct. So Correct. a lot of people don't think of a three pound item as a small light item, but if you can buy these things for two, three, four dollars and sell them for twelve, you're still making money because the fee structures on small and light. Yeah, great tip. Correct. Second, the second way I try to eliminate and minimize mistakes as well as returns, I focused on very return low categories. Mm-hmm. So that would include pet supplies. Pet supplies would be number one. Number two would be topicals and any sort of medication. Just those two alone are needed year round. Mm-hmm. Number three, vitamins and supplements. And that sticks right around topicals and medication. Vitamins and supplements give such a high shelf life. And second, if the customer definitely needs it, they will definitely buy it. it the, these items are in demand. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a niche I recommend people get into and try to launch their own brand. That's a bloodbath. But as a reseller, as a replen seller, yeah, you've just rattled off some very stable categories. And there's a handful of others, sports, outdoor equipment, you know, I start to put on that list as well, although maybe slightly higher returns there. But the high return categories are clothing, shoes. <laughs> Those are the main ones. The stuff that the ladies are buying <laughs> and trying, like that's where the returns, the shoes, I think, are the worst. People will order and take advantage of the friendly return policies and just try on five or six different pairs and send back the ones they don't like. So you're constantly juggling a new plan. Speaking of which, uh, there's a service in our community that one of the prep centers launched. I think it's at silentgym.com slash returns. I'll stick it in the show notes for folks, but they will receive your returns for you and list them on eBay. If you're doing 
like online arbitrage at bulk and you're getting a lot of returns on your front porch. Like, I don't have time to mess with this. What do we just have your returns sent to them? Tell Amazon, all my returns go there and they'll list it, sell it, take care of all the details and send, send you half the revenue. A lot of our bigger OA sellers have started using services like that. That's it's amazing. Just as a little tip. Yeah, cool. It's, it's great how this community is kind of floats solutions to whatever those common challenges are as we all kind of grow together. It's been a been quite an adventure over the last 12 years watching this replans model play out over a whole bunch of sellers. It's good right, to right. The next thing that I would suggest to individuals do not sleep on seasonal items. Seasonal items, oftentimes most people say leave it to the vets. I took it upon myself to try it out simply because I also hear from the veterans that that is a category they are trying to get into and also master because the margins are phenomenal. And most people just don't want to go through the headache of trying to, in essence, gamble just the two to three month, or maybe it's just that weekend or that holiday, 4th of July, um, St. Patty's, you know, so you are taking a gamble. You know, if those items do not sell within, you know, just that month itself, you might have to go ahead and reconsider uh, trying to liquidate some of the items in which or, or wait a year. Plenty of people will do that. They'll wait till it's 70% off sale and see whatever's left on the shelves. You can even go to the manager and say, Hey, I've noticed, you know, here we are mid January, all your Christmas stuff is like 70 to 90% off. How about I take all of it off your hands for, for $400, you know, and there's $1,500 even with the markdown. And you're like, yeah, clear it out. We've got to clear it out. We got to do something with it. So you just take it, put it in bins, store it, whip it out in October, late October, list it, and just, you know, you're printing cash at that point. So some people will do that, but the buy and hold, there's an element of risk there, but, you know, seasonal can be just smoking hot, especially the fourth quarter. That's when Americans typically, they just, I mean, they empty their wallets on the holiday season, Christmas shopping, man. So you want to be in the game then, especially, but I know a lot of replin sellers that December is just another month. They don't want to hustle and grind in December. They want to enjoy their family and enjoy the season. So just another replens month, January, just as big as December for them. And they're fine with that. So, you know, each person has kind of their own approach, but yeah, seasonal, you can see some things just catch fire and uh, sell a lot really quickly. But, you know, I, I like to see the stable business models. If I had to choose, I'd probably drift into the camp. And I know what we do. We, you know, we don't do any seasonal. I could care less about seasonal. I'm on the hunt for those replan income streams, baby, because I'm I'm wanting my money to be turning over and churning nice and slow. I don't need the little spikes. I don't get too worked up over those. I like the slow churn and burn predictability of the replans model. So we're just every day looking for 15 to 20 new ASINs, knowing that five to 10 of them are going to still be with us three, four months from now as great income streams. That's the model we use. But I, I'm glad you brought it up because that is, especially from your perspective, a new seller, I need to turn these $1,000 into 10000 as quick as possible. Help me. Yeah. Seasonal. There's some advantages there. Also, with clearance, I also do just want to give a few numbers uh, to the individuals out there who might think that you can't make real money or even get a couple fast flips. My first month, I made around 1300 in sales total just off the month of March while I went ahead and learned. Month of April, I insanely boosted that up to 10K just off clearance items and RA. So I start off at the very bottom once again, 
I stated and I climbed just in a matter of one month after solidifying the mistakes and also just taking the pack course seriously, I rose to $10,000 just my second month alone. Now, my third month, which was this recent month here, I geared up to $13,000 once again with just clearance, some light replants, a little bit of wholesale here. If it was like, I have a funny story with how I got into a little bit of the wholesale a particular clearance item that I got from Rite Aid. This was a topical item moving insanely fast on Amazon about 1200 times a month. So I went ahead and gambled on it. After the very first sale, I did receive my very first uh, warning from not only just Amazon themselves, but I also received the warning via mail from the brand themselves stating that- You got an IP complaint. It wasn't so much in, I guess you can say it was an IP complaint, more so of a brand warning yeah. prior to them submitting the IP. Okay. Um, so Amazon approved you to sell the item, but you still got a warning from the brand. Okay. Correct. And it only lasted just one sale. So these brands out here are very fast and it's normally not so much the big branded items. It's normally some of those brands you've never heard of with just amazing margins that will go ahead and spike you. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd that play out for you? So I went ahead and I turned the conversation and flipped it from, I'm so sorry I did that to how can I go ahead and build a relationship off of this so that this does not happen again? You know, how could I become an authorized seller? I would love to sell your products, actually believe in your products as I went ahead and did commit to that sale in which the inside sales rep actually has turned over from a negative to a positive in which she not only referred me to the authorized reseller program, but also gave me the map price um, and also policy the same exact day. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a phone call, a conversation, communicate. And now you've got a brand that's going to scare some other people off. There you are. You're selling it. Is it doing well for you? It's doing very, very well. That's great. Give me some numbers if you don't mind. Yep. So getting them at, funny story, getting them at Rite Aid, I get them for $2.30. They're flying off the clearance racks, at least for me. Getting them from them, I think it's $4 a piece. I sell it as a three pack for $42. So in essence, if I get it from the wholesale, I'm spending about $12 uh, for that uh, three pack versus me just getting that same three pack for $6 at half the price and selling it higher. Yeah. So you're paying six to 12, depending on how you source it and you're selling for 40 and it's flying off the shelf. You're banking 15, 18 bucks a sale, something like that after all fees and shipping everything. I don't know how much this thing weighs. Don't tell us too much because I don't want to create competitors for you. Okay. But uh, just as a, an example of the stuff that's out there, I mean, these deals are everywhere and that, that's a replan. When you need more, you go buy more. Nice, predictable, steady sales per month. Is it going to last forever? Probably not. Is it a great income stream for the next several weeks, possibly months, maybe more? Absolutely it is. And you've started to build a relationship as well. If this brand starts to say, you know what, I think we're going to kick off all the resellers and we're going to manage our own Amazon account. You could pitch and say, hey, I'm the guy who's been selling quite a bit of this. I know the Amazon landscape. I'm in a community that lives, eats, breathes, and sleeps Amazon. Let me manage that account for you. Put it in your name. You guys get the checks from Amazon. Just pay me a cut and I will manage the whole thing. Help you set up bundles and multi-packs and help you with your branding, right? So, and those kind of opportunities are abundant. So just another stream of income from you, another diversified way to take advantage of the 
lessons you're learning. This is just me kind of coaching and helping you dream forward a little bit. If you hadn't already had these thoughts, I mean, you've listened to all the podcast episodes, so you've probably heard those things already said, but this, that's how this thing can just start to expand and well done, by the way, picking up the phone saying, Hey, let's, let's talk here. You know, you guys think I'm up to something negative over here. I'm not, I just want to help you sell more of your product. Can we communicate? And look what you turned it into. How much volume have you done of that? Just one product, would you say? Oh my, I probably sold over a thousand of, of that item just alone in these past a thousand two units, thousand sales, thousand units. Yeah. So you've made about $15,000 net approximately. I'm just Correct. pulling round numbers from that one replen. From that one item. You That's actually- phenomenal. Way to go. So I guess your June numbers are looking pretty good because you in May you hit thirteen thousand in sales. So June must be looking pretty good for you so far. Correct. I'm closing in or on about forty three hundred in sales just for this week alone. Yeah, um, so just I'm about a week into June as we're recording this. So yeah, you're gonna have a great month. I'm trying to close out every month. I'm trying to aim slow and steady wins the race. So I'm not seeking to make those humongous flips. Although I would love to, you know, turn my ten into twenty. But I'm okay with the small wins turning a. 10K month, 12, 15, 20, that's what builds you not only stability, but a great foundation to go ahead and, you know, pretty much just build a house on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Do you happen to know your net margins offhand? Off the top, I do not know my net margins. You want to dial that in a little bit, just because, you know, there's a lot of little expenses, like the tool like Sellerboard, silentgym.com slash numbers is the link to Sellerboard. I'm going to make myself a note so I can stick that in the show notes. But for like 15 bucks a month starting to really dial in and say, this ASIN has made you this much money. This ASIN, it's probably not worth even going after anymore because you're actually losing money after you factor in all your fees and the expense of prepping and packing on. That'll really help you know which ASINs you should be looking at. You, you could very well be more excited than you should be about the wrong ASINs and less excited than you should be about the wrong ASINs. So that'll help you just kind of prioritize what are the, my really top 20% that are generating 80% of my results. And we sometimes rely too much on our instincts, especially as your catalog grows. You don't want to rely on your instincts. It's not always the ones that are moving fast that are actually putting money in the bank. This could just be a treadmill that's breaking even. You don't even realize it. Like those candles, man, those those are heavy and they got a big box and a lot of bubble wrap. And I thought I was making, you know, six bucks a sale. Come to find out I'm making a buck 50 a sale. Like, gosh, is that even worth doing? all the time spent and energy and they break sometimes and like you know this help you make really good decisions correct correct um, so I, I would encourage that as maybe a, a good next step if you haven't dove into it yet i would definitely say um most of my items these days uh just again from learning from mistakes one of the biggest mistakes that i've received was from my very first item was the candles glassware i suggest everyone stay away from glassware <laughs> there it is one way or another Let's just say I sold about 50 of those candles in a month from the moment I started my first sale. I probably be probably received anywhere from 15 to 20 returns and they were just crushed. It didn't, yeah. it didn't make it. Doesn't matter how well you pack it. Uh, fragile stickers. Don't worry about fragile stickers either. They're not going to pay attention. A, to fragile, a fragile sticker just means, hey, somebody step on this on the way to the customer, please. Just like find the biggest guy in the room and have him like jump on it. <laughs> that's that. You might as well just put that on the sticker, right? No, but you know, you say that, but we do some prep. You know, one of our clients sells a fair amount of glass, 
So he's buying it super cheap and he's selling it for a lot of money. And a lot of his margin is eaten up in the very slow, painstaking process of prepping it to the point where you can three foot drop test that stuff and it does fine. I mean, it's tedious, but not a lot of people are willing to do that. And people are willing to pay more because they just can't find it cheap because no one can sell it cheap. (laughs) You're not going to have glass coming a little, you know, how you get the boxes from Amazon and everything just loose rattle around in there. You can't do that with glass. It's got to be in a nice, tight, bubble-wrapped seal. Like, you got to do the three-foot drop test. And yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But you can do that. It's just, it's tedious. So those candles, that destroys your margin. You're down to like, man, you're buying it for six bucks, selling it for 30. And I still can't maybe make any money on this thing because I just got to, you know, wrap it in Teflon to get it. (laughs) Correct. It was just such a headache, just off learning off that, most of my items, even most of my bundles are no bigger than, or I'll say heavier than about a pound, pound and a half. Passing a pound and a half, that's on a on a pretty heavy item. Other than that, I do not want to deal with the headaches of, you know, fragile items, glass, things of that nature. I'd much rather deal with something you could toss around a few times till it makes it to them alive. Oh, I totally get it. You know, but just in defense of getting off the beaten path. Like we've sold mops and brooms and stuff like, how do you box that, right? And we could source it for five and people are paying $48 for it. Okay, wow, we can afford to figure out the box and the, how, to, how do you, like, that's a strange shaped item. You know, UPS is going to charge you the premium. You might as well be shipping a piano. It's like crazy. But, you know, if you, if you build that into the margin and you know how to do the math and you're keeping track of your numbers, Okay, we're making five, seven bucks a sale on this $40 item. Yeah, we'll, we'll fire those out the door and figure out the boxes, right? So you get off the beaten path a little bit, less competition, a little fewer people playing around. There's always opportunity there too. So it, while I love your focus on the low-hanging fruit, you know, the ASINs that you get into that are a little less comfortable, they're going to probably last you a little longer. Correct. And also some of the best replans for those out there, most single items will not make you a ton of margin. What makes you the most margin are branded bundles or multi-packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bundles and multi-packs. We love them. Provenbrandbuilding.com is the course that's part of the Proven Amazon course collection. Have you gone through that module yet? That is honestly my very next step, Jim. Um, just due it, to, it makes sense. Due to your exact... Uh, reasoning was just eliminating competition. Um, Right now, I've just been jumping on a lot of pre-made bundles and things that aren't branded, which are making me great amounts of money. But if I can just add my own brand or just that one specialty item to that bundle, I can sell that thing just as you stated. It doesn't have to sell much. You can sell a $30 item 30 times a month and your margins will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Because what you don't want to do is get stuck in the the hamster wheel, treadmill, treasure hunt model, where you're just going 60 hours a week, hitting the clearance, thinking, man, I can make a hundred grand this year. Yeah, you could. Or you could build a business that's on autopilot doing a hundred grand a month and you got a team and you're scaling and you're getting into branded bundles. And yeah, you're still doing replans, but you graduate from the clearance into the replans, into the branded bundles, into the consultant role. And now you've got this flexibility of schedule and you've got a team and you've got a business that can be sold. So that's that's the path we like to see people on. And it seems to me like you're just saying, okay, this works. I've proven it out. I'm making money. I'm ready for the next stage. 
the journey you've taken in three, four months takes most people nine months to a year. You're just at a different pace. Your period of intense focused effort, you took it seriously, man. Kudos to you. I mean, you're like a top 5% performer. Like, let's go. No, I'm, I'm ready. They said to do it this way. I'm doing it this way. And I'm doing it this way at scale. I'm going all in. I'm going to drive two hours. And I'm going to tear this town up for three days and come home with my stuff. And I'm going to get it out the door. And, and you're being rewarded for it, man. Your future looks very bright. Good job, man. Thank you. Thank you. One tip I want to give out to the sellers out there that has worked for me that crunches my time um, and doesn't have me actually going out, you know, three days at a time, two days at a time. I can pretty much do all of my routes once a day between eight to 12 hours, as you stated. But just the one tip, if you go on your iPhone and you search up, let's say, for example, Rite Aid at a certain location, you just go back to your map, retype Rite Aid nearby. And it will pull up every single writing with that vicinity. And you just add, add a stop, add a stop, add a stop until you feel that, you know, you would like to solidify your route with just 10 stops or eight stops, whatever it might be for you. But that's just one pro tip I'd like to give to others who might find it skeptical. How do I travel from store to store or also just crunch your numbers and see 20 stores in an hour rather than 20 stores in 12 hours? Yeah, I love it. That's I did that for a while. I would map out. We had a good handful of stores and I would map out. And so that way I'm just following my GPS for the day. Zoom, tell me where to go next. <laughs> Put in the address, off we go. And, and then you kind of memorize it after a while and you don't need that. But like in your new town, especially, you don't want to just be, you know, zigzagging all over the place. Be methodical, hit the places, get in, get out, know what you're getting after. And you're very quickly, you're at the point where you could probably use a shopper because if you've reduced a lot of this down to anything that's repetitive and almost mind numbing, like if you could listen to a podcast and pay attention while you're doing what you're doing, you should probably have someone else doing it. <laughs> right, correct. That's just my... Put someone else in there for 10, 15 bucks if your margin allows. Uh, now, this is assuming you've heard me say, maybe you remember, Kevin, because you've listened to a bunch of podcast episodes, who should your first hire be? Do you remember what I always say on that one? It should be one of two. It should either be a VA for sourcing or you should have a prepper assist you, whether you get a prep center or somebody you know, a neighbor, which I highly do recommend because right now my biggest pain sore, I can honestly say I'd be able to double my sales from 10 to 20 or 20 to 50 if those two pain points were solved for me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. And if if Jimmy Smith was here with us, he's a fan of the prep angle to free up your time. I'm a little more, I, I don't know, I would say the conservative discipline side of me was like, ah, let's get another sorcerer in there finding profitable replant because now you've proven that not only you can do it, but you can teach it to someone else, which is a vital skill you're going to need eventually anyway. And if you can't teach it to someone else yet, you're not ready to expand into employees yet and people working for your team. So, you know, we, we agree slash disagree on that point just a little bit, but mine's, I'm just basically a little more conservative than Jimmy is. I don't want to see you hire anybody until you've taught the replens finding system to someone else, be it a VA, someone local, a spouse, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, but they're finding replens that are winners and identifying them and testing them and they get it. And then, then that extra revenue is like, okay, yeah, let's con- make some convenience hires now, right? The prepping is the next one. Correct. Which 
Um, as I stated, I think I'm at the stage now where I need to find either a prep center and or a assistant to at least help me prep. That is my biggest issue. As you see here, these are items that need to go out to FBA and right. just as a one man team myself, um, just as you stated, between spending 10, 12 hours sourcing, oftentimes I come home exhausted to pig pack, you know, prep the items. Oftentimes it's anywhere from three to 500 units by myself, which I do not recommend. Do no, not recommend. that's, that's nuts. And you've got enough margin and you've scaled to the point where I would imagine you're probably safe to find a neighborhood kid or something that, you know, just help get these things out the door for 10, 12 bucks an hour or whatever, pay them. And, uh, you know, maybe it's in their garage of a neighbor. That's a nice in-between move. Just find a neighbor who's got some empty space in their house, a spare room, sweet old lady lives across the street, that kind of thing. That's sometimes just a dream arrangement to get the stuff out of your house, to get it cranking. And there's no better feeling than just kind of walking into a process that's in motion that you helped create. And, yes. and I'm at the point now where I visit our replens warehouse where my replens, you know, we've got a bunch of them. I don't ever see them. I review the Amazon numbers a couple times a day. That's it. Other people it's are amazing. prepping, sourcing, packing, shoppers shopping. You know, I ran into someone at church last Sunday <laughs> and I was like, again, meeting them and I knew the parents and then, and she said, yeah, I'm on your shopping team now. I'm like, really great. Didn't wow. even know that. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Wow. Small you know, hitting our list for us in the stores. So, you know, it's, you set these things in motion, put good people in charge, pay them to do them. And now you've got it. You've got a real business. You can start other income streams based on this momentum. It's a, it's a phenomenal lifestyle, man. And you're, you're well on your way to doing some cool stuff, man. It's a long way from, what'd you say? Footlocker? <laughs> uh, yeah. A long way from Footlocker. Very yeah. long way. Fantastic, man. Well, I'm, what are the lessons or tips or any questions for me? You said you had a bit of a list, man. Let's, Let's pound out some good stuff for the listeners, man. Um, so the number one thing I would say, this tip is for the listeners. If you have the funds, definitely invest in a coach. I believe even me, myself, I have bad habits that maybe either I don't realize or I know, but I do not have the solution to try and fix that repetitive issue. Please, if you can get started in our skeptical, get a coach. Um, majority of these coaches I've had the benefit of getting assistance just off of the community. So also use the community as well. Um, just due to my circumstances, I wasn't able to afford quite a coach. But if you are on edge, please invest in a coach. I believe in this this team I've gotten here just off of the $40 course and free knowledge from the great individuals of the community. Thank you for that. Yeah, an endorsement from someone who hasn't even tried it yet, but you'll get there. Like, yes. you know, we've got, we did one interview not too far back with a chiropractor who started with $200, scaled that up at about the pace you're going in about month five or six without putting any additional funds into his business from that original 200. He paid for coaching. He's paid off tens of thousands of dollars of student debt and just swears by the coaching program. And because everyone on that team has built a beautiful business and they're helping others on that same journey. So thank you for giving some props to that. You know, there's links to for those who may not know, if you go to silentgym.com, it's the main website for this podcast, there's links to the course that Kevin mentioned, the Proven Amazon course, the coaching Kevin mentioned, and our free Facebook group, which, by the way, we just passed 73,000 members as we're recording this. It's pretty cool. And so it's just a lot of really good business building warriors helping each other out every day. And Kevin's one of them. And 
you've, you, as you just said, man, that's been a big part of your success is that free community. So jump in there, be part of it. And it's, it's growing. It. It's growing. I joined at about maybe 67,000. That was about mm-hmm. maybe around November, 67, 68,000. So we, we rose about a good 5,000. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's room for plenty more. I mean, this is the biggest paradigm shift in commerce history, going from traditional retail to online. Amazon is leading the charge and the future is bright. We're barely started the game from my vantage point. We're talking hundreds of billions of new money to be spent in the coming next three to five, 10 years. Traditional retail fading away. It's still traditional retail, still dominant. You've heard me say this, Kevin. It's still 85, 87%. No, it's about 85% is traditional retail, brick and mortar, people getting their car, go to the store. That's 85%. E commerce is only 15%, but it's growing fast, man. And it's going to be 20, 25, 30 in our lifetimes, next five, 10, 15 years. And do not listen to this is my second tip. Do not listen to those who say, it is saturated, whether it is a category, whether it is a business. <laughs> right. if, if it's saturated, it means it is working. Mm-hmm. That's my simple model. If it's saturated, if everyone's doing it, it is working. So please just jump on. Yeah, there's nothing saturated about Amazon. The only thing I might say that about is their merch program where people create t-shirt ideas. They just said, anyone, everyone sign up and create t-shirts. I was like, oh, I want to be in the t-shirt business and just got flooded with millions of t-shirt designs that nobody wanted. And everyone's like, oh man, that's saturated. But the millions of brands and products, you know, every month, Kevin, a million new replanations are underserved every right. month. And I'm, it's yeah. it, that's just my estimate. That's probably a low estimate. And one thing you always say on your podcast, and I can say to everyone, ASINs are everywhere. Profitable ASINs are everywhere. You just have to work. As I uh, stated, single items rarely do make you great margins. There are those um, replants that do, but oftentimes your best deals are going to come from branded bundles and or just multi-packs that you can hop on the listing and you'd be surprised. An item you might buy for $3.00 only probably makes you about $3, but had you have just bought it and made it a two pack, you probably turn that three into 10 or, you know, 13 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Opportunity everywhere. Good insights, man. Um, my only pain points, or as I stated before, I have not gone through the prep center. Um, I was a little skeptical and I just felt maybe it was too early, but as I continue to grow, I'm starting to now see even me giving Amazon items to send out and ship out just still is not enough for a one-man team. Um, so I am looking to expand. I would say I'm just a little scared to pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, are you still doing mostly a lot of merchant fulfill? I don't remember. Did you talk about transitioning to FBA? How much is, what's your percentage again? So right now, at first, I initially started 100% FBM. FBM. Yeah. Right now, I want to say I... Second month, I was still majority FBM while I learned FBA. Um, now, this past month, I did an experiment and made majority all FBA. So I would say it's about 85% FBA right now, 15% FBM. I would like to keep it there as I don't mind, again, the hustle and grind of me increasing my profit margins by just FBMing and with Amazon doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And, and what's your retail arbitrage versus online sourcing? What, what's the breakdown there percentage-wise? 
breakdown. I want to say right now, RA, I'm about 70, 80% RA, 20 to 30% OA. Okay. Well, that, that helps me. You're not ready for a prep center yet because you don't want to be bringing stuff to your house and then sending it to a prep. You are ready to have someone help you prep, however, which means get the boxes out of your house. That's where we get to the old lady across the street has an empty garage or, you know, a friend that comes over and hits your spare bedroom and just cranks it out every weekend. Or, you know, you're ready to start exploring that from my vantage point, cautiously exploring that. Uh, because again, you don't have that person in place who's helping you find replans yet. I'd like to see that first, as painful as it sounds. <laughs> I think that's a really wise, prudent first step possibly skippable in your scenario though because you're a hustle and grind kind of guy you're not going to get lazy just because you got someone else doing the prepping now you're going to keep grinding you're going to grind even harder on the stuff that's you know finding you profits but you can find yourself unnecessarily staying on the hamster wheel too long because that just becomes your routine and you don't want to do that so i caution you from that but um yeah you're ready to have someone help you with your prep you're right on the cusp of that but having it all sent somewhere else that's primarily for like oa you got a prep center in another state. So you're buying online, it's shipping to another state, they're handling all your prep. That's only 15% of your business OA right now, a small portion. So probably not worth playing around with yet. Although when you do start using a prep center, I encourage you ease into it. Don't just pull the trigger and dump it all there. Ease into it. Maybe test a couple different prep centers. Like all my topicals go to this prep center. All my breakables go to these guys. They're great with glass. They're great with, you know, the fragile stuff, the heavy stuff, the weird bulky stuff. They're charging me five bucks per unit to prep it, but man, they're good, right? So you get their specialties at different prep centers and you want to have a backup even and, and kind of wade into any new relationship, wade into it slow and steady, right? Minimize your risks. Um, yeah, you're, you're on the cusp of, of uh, really eliminating a lot of this from your daily routine. Your business continues to grow. You're working less on the stuff that makes you sweat <laughs> and you're working more on the stuff that requires you to be sharp mentally, right? And, which is a great, it's a fun transition from, you know, using your, you know, having an ear pod in with music cranking to keep you going so you can sweat through, you know, that's one mode. The other one is like, no, I can't have any noise right now. I'm concentrating, thinking, I'm strategizing, I'm building systems, I'm, you know, putting things in place to help this thing strategically grow. You're using your mind instead of your muscle, basically. And you're, you're going to tra- make that transition very soon. Yes, I, w- I would I would love that. Um, <laughs> like I said, right now, I'm not going to say I'm experiencing burnout because I love what I do and I just love the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the burnout comes or just the headache or pain, pain points just happen to come when you have a good run and you have about, you know, like I said, north of 400 plus products you have to do on your own. Whereas if I can just pay someone to get that done, and me sourcing 24, you know, 24 seven, so to speak, my business would grow immense where my next step would be to start automating, as you stated, every single step of the way. Um, that's my ultimate goal. I want to grind now, build this business, build the foundation. But as I start to make bigger flips and bigger turns, I would love to start automating from the simplest to the hardest task. Yeah. Beautifully said. And that's a great plan. Very viable plan. Yeah. Are you taking a day a week off? Um, as I stated, oftentimes, what is my break is the gym. I go to the gym, I work out. Um, I tend to often relieve um, a lot of the tension I might have, some problems I might have with Amazon. I, w- I will relieve it at the gym. But for the most part, I might only take one day off, but that's just due to my personal 
um, preference. I just love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I just, I have to caution you just anytime you're using your brain to build your business, your body, your brain, and you're going all in, that's a five, six day a week. I love six, go hard six days a week, but I strongly encourage you that can, you, it's not sustainable to go seven days a week, very long. It, and you will have a very real burnout. I've seen it. You know, we've coached nearly 10,000 people over the past 20 years. I've yet to meet the person that can go a year going seven days a week. That person, I've never met them. Maybe they're out there somewhere. But then I would say, I'm, okay, try it for two years. <laughs> it's not sustainable. It's just not. But you take that day off a week. It could be a Saturday. It could be Sunday, right? You know, for us, it's a day of worship and family and reflection and relaxing. I just try to turn it all off and I don't, I don't check in. And we even shut down the Facebook group on Sundays just so all of our moderators can take a day off and admin team. They don't have to worry about business stuff. But you come back on Monday, you're at 140%. Versus another day, and it's kind of trudging through. And you just come back re- rejuvenated, invigorated, ready to go, man. It's a beautiful model. So I just encourage you, proceed with caution. Sustainability is an important thing. You're a young enough guy. I want you focused on pace and sustainable patterns and habits more so than as much, I should say, as you focus on the hustle and grind. Correct, it's, correct. It's good you know. to have that daily routine. And I do it too. I run every day, most days. You know, five, six days a week, I'm out there getting a good sweat as part of my daily routine. But I, that day off is vital, man. That 24 hour, just shut it all down as best you possibly can and rejuvenate yourself. Just as if, if you want to listen to the wisdom of a dude, you know, twice your age, <laughs> it's your call, it's your decision, your business, man. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. No, I definitely do amend on the days off. Uh, just as you stated, I do feel a ready to rock the next day. Yeah, um, it's so- magic almost, isn't it? As it was, it's biological. And the beauty with this business also is just the freedom. I guess for me, that's why oftentimes I only take a day or so is because I know how to take a break. Oftentimes people probably think they need to grind Amazon for eight hours at a time. No, go, you know, source for about 30 minutes, an hour. If you don't find anything, go take a walk, make some breakfast, you know, hit the gym, come back. You'll come back rejuvenated. And I'm sure, I'm sure you will go ahead and find, you know, four or five, six profitable ASINs, probably from the same list you looked at. Prior to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Just a sharper mind. Yeah, learn to take little breaks. We're not designed to stare at screens for hours at a time, man. All the data we're starting to hear about the screens and the things it's doing to our psychology. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Netflix or Amazon, there's those little bright lights in your face. You know, you can't, you shouldn't be doing that for hours and hours on end every day, all day. Uh, it's not good for you. So yeah, take breaks, come back. Your brain and body will thank you for it. And yeah, you will make more money taking breaks. Great tip, man. I love it. Very wise. And I'm sure a lot of listeners do have this question for you as well. When do you recommend someone transitioning from their W-2 into Amazon and or should the individual pursue Amazon 100% and leave their day job or try to mesh both 50-50? Yeah. At what point do you jump full-time it's kind of what I'm hearing, right? Go Amazon full-time. At what point are you comfortable and confident enough to do it? And that's going to vary. The first question I have when someone says that is, I say, okay, if you're married, you, you sit down, the spouse, the other people who are dependent on that income, right? And you say, how many months of reserves do we need to have in the bank? We're going to need to write down a number. You come up with a number, I'll come up with a number. No pressure from the other party at all. Just how many months of reserve do we need in the bank before you'd be comfortable with me making a leap into this full time? And so that becomes a goal. 
you know, if it's a husband and wife, the wife might say, I, I need at least eight months. And the husband's like, oh, I was thinking a year. So we go with the bigger number of the two because we don't want to create marital stress and making the leap from the boat to the dock, right? So, okay, we're good. that's the goal. Once we've got that money, let's say we need 4,000 a month to live comfortably. That means we need 48,000 in the bank that we can access cash ready before I can make the leap. And we both agreed we're comfortable because we got a year. Now, that's super conservative from my vantage point, far too conservative if you're proving out of business like you are, but you don't get to decide how conservative the other people, your spouse is going to be when you're talking about you know, security, especially as a guy. The last thing I want to do is make my wife nervous about the decisions I'm making. So I want her to feel very relaxed and protected and provided for. So once you got that out of the way, to me, uh, at the point that you're at about 60 to 70% able to match the income from whatever your career job is. And you're, you're doing them both now, right? So if I can get 60% of what I'm earning from my real job, doing this Amazon thing on the side, I'm ready to go the leap and I'm going to be fine. Assuming I don't have other major financial, you know, commitments and things that, that aren't being factored in. It's a very individual decision, but at the point where I'm at 60, 70% of my income being matched, you know, let's say if I'm bringing home 5,000 a month, my real job. And I'm at the point where what would 70% of that, I'm bringing 3,500 a month net with Amazon now, which is a good place to be. Why not stay there for a little while, accumulate a nest egg, but not sustainable because you're going hard and focused in two different directions. The point I'm at 3,500 bucks a month or so, I'm ready to start talking about leaving that 5,000 a month behind, going all in and truly scaling this thing because it is that secure from my vantage point. You know, this isn't something that's going to get turned off for all of us next month. You know, I mean, none of us can predict the future, obviously, but all the big trends are in our favor. The paradigm shift is undeniable. People are shopping online more than ever. Half the transactions are happening on Amazon. The future looks extremely bright for e-commerce in general. The skill set you are accumulating can be applied in. I could brainstorm and rattle off 15, 20 ways right now off the top of my head. Right? You get a couple of the coaches from our team, we probably come up with 50 different ways that you can leverage these skills into other income streams as you start to grow and get your confidence. You're already qualified to be a consultant, for example, Kevin. Right? <laughs> so that should be very confidence building when you start taking about talking about leaving behind a full-time whatever, because you got to factor in, well, what about insurance, which is the big one, but a lot of people get nervous. There's options out there, plenty of options out there. Do your research. Well, I get this benefit and I get that benefit. Just build those benefits into the number and then go for that number that's 60 to 70% of what you're getting from your real job. I've seen people hold on to real jobs way too long. And they're like, what was I thinking? Life is so much better. I'm 20 years on the other side of making that leap and I haven't regretted it for a day. I wake up grateful every day. Like if I wake up many mornings, I'm like, if I had a real job, I'd have already been there for two hours after driving for 45 minutes, but I got to sleep in, stayed up a little late. All right, time to get the day going, you know, let the sunlight coming through the window be my, my alarm clock, right? It's just a beautiful, flexible way to live your life. And I highly recommend pursuing it if at all possible. So yeah, great question. Did I answer your question? You definitely answered it. Um, you answered it not only for me, but for the many listeners. I, I get the question every time. And just due to my circumstance, I was forced to go ahead and try and make this work rather than just working it on through my nine to five, which I recommend to everyone. Please do not leave this too soon. Allow your nine to five to fund this. 
and then get right on going. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Be, be prudent, be safe. Be, being in a high anxiety, high stress state of mind is not an ideal place to launch a business. Correct. Correct. I've had to find this out the hard way. Account level reserves. Most people don't know or are very familiar with account level reserves. Account level reserves are you starting off as a new seller. Amazon does withhold most of your earnings to start off. And what those account level reserves are, they just are a safety net for refunds, returns, A to Z claims, chargebacks. Especially if you're doing merchant fulfill. Correct. That makes them even more nervous because they don't actually have the the inventory in their possession or control. You do. Correct. And when you're starting off as a newbie, Amazon, I'm sorry, just does not trust you out of all the millions of sellers out there. So you need to go ahead and, and definitely just do the footwork to make sure that when you're starting off the initial, try to understand that half of your pay will be held. You know, just speaking off of my experience, I could get paid 34, 3,500, and then I have another 34, 3,500 in reserves. And I'm saying that to just give you guys an image of what I'm dealing with as a new seller and just to give you guys the heads up and understand that you may be making, you know, 10,000 a month, you know, 20, 30,000, but you actually don't receive all of that. Um, some of that does go into account level reserves up until you mature your account. Yeah. Once they come to trust you, that money rolls out a lot faster. But you do need to factor that in. But this is a slow churn business. And then once it takes off, it's like it drops, a light switch flips. And for most people, that's three, four months in or so, where Amazon starts to say, okay, we haven't had any complaints. You're shipping stuff on time. Customers aren't freaking out because you vanished on us. You're doing well. Here's your money a little quicker instead of us holding it out. You know, And those reserves can adjust over time and it's within their rights to do so because that's the terms of service that you signed as on page 47 when you clicked the button and said, yeah, let's go, right? So they get to keep your money for a while, but it will all come to you eventually. And that's a great thing to remind, especially new sellers that it could take you know a month or so before you see anything, even if things are going great. Correct, correct. So just hang in there, guys. Continue feeding the beast. That's all it's about. Most people think it's rocket science to go from five to 10 or 10 to 20. It's honestly just purchasing more profitable ASINs and having your money work for you. That's all it is. Just continue forward, move on. Just take it from me, who's only been a three month seller. Continue on, guys. It will get better. Excellent. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.